took a class in college called American Public Address, Pastor. It was an amazing class. Uh, and we studied the great speeches of the past. But uh, in that class, everybody that had ever taken it would spread the word around the campus that at some point the teacher is going to do this to you. She's not going to tell you when it's going to happen. You're not going to know when it's going to happen, but she'll set it up with other students in the class. But there's going to be an interruption while you're up speaking. And every person in the class, at some point while they're giving a speech over the course of that semester, is going to be interrupted by something happening. For example, somebody down on the front row may pretend to lose a contact lens, get out of their chair or be scurrying around trying to find it, recruiting other people in the class to try to help them find it, and you up front while you're speaking have to deal with that. Somebody toward the back may pretend to have a heart attack and pass out, and you up front have to deal with that, just training you how to handle interruptions. Well, anyway, the teacher had told us this. If if it's in the very back of the room and most everybody has not noticed it, then don't draw a lot of attention to it, you know, by pointing it out. You know, just say something, move on. And that's good advice. Can I hear an amen? I was in a church years ago as a young man, and I know the guy that was the pastor. He had never had the benefit of a college class like that. In fact, he didn't have any benefit of college education at all, but he had a lot of wisdom from the Lord. And preacher, I'm not making this up. I was 14 years old. I'll never forget it. Uh, he started preaching that night in the early part of the sermon. A fly had been flying all around his face and he'd shoot it away a couple of times and it had disappeared for the early part of the service. And I don't remember what he was saying, but I do remember this. It was maybe halfway through the sermon and he had his mouth wide open. The pastor did making some point and that fly decided to reappear. And like a plane going into a hangar, it flew inside his mouth. And everybody in there saw it. Now, preacher, you can't pretend that didn't happen, okay? You've got to say something about it, right? This man had never had the benefit of a class like I had, but in his wisdom, in his inimitable North Carolina accent, I'll never forget what he said. He just swallowed real hard and got him down. And then he looked out at all of us and he said this, well... He was a stranger and I took him in. <laughs> and everybody laughed, got it out of their system. Well, I mean, pastor didn't get that quite out of his. But anyway, everybody else got the laughter out of their system and went on with the service. But last night, it was amazing to me, just amazing from up here to watch the skill and the wisdom and the way everything was handled. And so, listen, if you're a member of Calvary Baptist Church, I hope you understand how blessed you are. On multiple levels, you are just richly blessed, and uh, your pastor loves you. And as a shepherd, uh, he's committed, as he said last night. Boy, I was hanging on every word because I know, I know the pastor friends of mine around the country that think like your pastor thinks, and I'm preaching for just wonderful men right now, and I, I mean that, and pastor, you're one of them. But I know my pastor friends that really love their congregation and love their flock and take it seriously. Your protection, not just your spiritual protection, but your physical protection. They take it very, very seriously. So I was hanging on every word and appreciating everything Pastor Steve had to say last night that we're committed to keeping you safe. Do you know how thankful you ought to be for that? Because we're living in a crazy world, aren't we? Well, you know, Brother Dave, nothing like that ever happened out in Union Grove. Yeah, that's what they thought down there in that isolated church in Texas too, didn't they? Texas, think about that. A guy walked in with an automatic weapon. And in Texas, of all places, I know Texans, they love liberty. They get the threat. But they were so far out, they thought, it'll never happen here, but it did. And somebody outside the church, the only one with a weapon that day, had to take down the shooter with the same type weapon he carried into the auditorium.
Don't tell me that a good guy with a gun won't stop a bad guy with a gun. It sure will. It sure will. And armed security, well-trained security. It's unfortunate, but we live in a world where it's absolutely essential. And you ought to be so thankful that you have a pastor and a security team that are committed to keeping you safe. And I don't mind telling you this. As a preacher who's a guest, uh, because of the nature of what we're involved in and being on the radio and all kinds of things, uh, as I told you last night, my wife said, honey, you're direct. And I said, well, do you want me to back away? I wasn't going to even if she said yes. But, uh, but anyway, I, I just said, she said, no, not at all. But she said, can we get a security system around our house? And I said, we can do that. So we have an electronic security system and we have a dog named Speck as well. And some of you that follow me online have seen Speck and he's a gentle giant. But man, you do something to mama and he'll come out of his cage. And he'll defend mama. Now we got another dog looks just like him that is a rescue, and his name is Spark. How about that? Speck and Spark. They are the ones that defend our property. And if a strange motor shows up, a car they don't recognize drives in the driveway, they'll bark to high heaven and let mama know and let me know somebody's there that probably is unfamiliar. But you ought to be thankful. You ought to be so thankful. And I know as a guest preacher, understanding the climate in which we live, it's unfortunate, but it's necessary And I appreciate so much the security team right here at Calvary Baptist. Guys, I love you. I cannot tell you. don't even know who all of you are, but I'm so thankful for you. And I appreciate you more than I can say. Revelation chapter number 17. Revelation chapter number 17. Down through the years, folk, and certainly now more than ever, I've been asked this question perhaps more than anything else, and that is this. Is America in Bible prophecy? Now, to answer that question, if you were to say, is America by name in Bible prophecy, the answer would be no. You say, well, Brother Dave, what about this? And I've been asked this many, many times. There's a passage in the Old Testament. There's a passage also in the New Testament that mentions an eagle. Is the eagle the United States of America? Can I tell you, to believe that is horrible exegesis of the Scripture. The eagle in the Old Testament, the eagle in the New Testament has nothing whatsoever to do with the United States of America. Is everybody with me? However, is the United States referred to some other way? Not by name, but are we referred to some other way? You say, preacher, What are you referring to? What are you talking about? Well, I want to take you to Revelation 17 because there's an entity mentioned in Revelation 17 and Revelation 18 that has a very unique name. We're going to get to the name of this entity in just a moment. But I want to begin reading at Revelation 17. Let your eyes rest, if you would, please, on verse number one. We're inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. The apostle John writes these words. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials. Can I have you pause and look up at me for just a moment? The word vial in Revelation 17.1 means bowl. There were, there's an earlier place in the book of Revelation, not far removed from chapter 17, where seven vials of judgment, seven bowls of judgment are poured out on the earth. Does anybody remember this? Well, this is one of the angels that had those seven bowls. We think vial like a little test tube vial. That's not what it is. It's a bowl. And these bowls or vials of judgment were poured out on the earth. John said it was the same angel that did that that I saw come to me. Look again at Revelation 17 verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me saying unto me, come hither. John, come here. Come here. I want to show you. I want to show you something. And I will show unto thee the judgment of the great. Would you say the next word out loud? The great what? Literally, the great harlot that sitteth, look at the rest of verse 1, that sitteth upon many waters. 
with whom, in other words, this harlot entity, whoever she is, whatever she represents, with whom the kings of the earth have committed, would you say the next word out loud? They've committed what? Fornication. Brother Dave, is that literal physical fornication? Is that what's being talked about here? Hang on, I'm going to answer that in just a moment. With whom, look again at verse 2, the kings of the earth are literally, uh, verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, watch this, and the inhabitants of the earth, that is the occupants, the citizens of the earth, have been made drunk with the wine of her, this harlot entity's fornication. Again, the question you ought to be asking is, is it literal physical fornication? I'm going to answer that in just a moment. Look at verse number three. So he carried me away, the angel that had one of the seven bowls of judgment. He carried me away into the wilderness and I saw a woman. Here is the harlot entity that John sees. And I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns. Now, folk, look up at me. Do you remember earlier in the week I talked to you about the Antichrist, his rise, his resistance, and his religion? And this seven-headed, ten-horned beast imagery is used all the way back in the book of Daniel. How many of you remember this? It's repeated here in the book of Revelation. We told you the night I preached on that topic that the seven-headed, ten-horned beast was the kingdom of the Antichrist. Is everybody with me? Well, here it is. It's mentioned again right here. I want you to watch verse 3 again. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. I saw a woman. It's the harlot entity. She's sitting upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Look at verse number four. And the woman, the harlot entity, was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her what? Would you say the word again? Literal physical fornication. Hang on. Going to answer that in just a moment. Look at verse number five. And upon her forehead, upon the forehead of this harlot entity was a name written. Now, folks, it's vitally important to understand this. The rest of verse five is her name. It is a long name. By the way, my grandfather, Pastor, uh, grew up when he was just a young man. He lived in a three-story house in Cherryville, North Carolina. I know Cherryville cannot be that far from here, but it was a three-story house. It was called the Old George Place. They were very wealthy. My my great-grandfather was, lost everything in the stock market crash in 1929, and they had nothing. They had 14 servants that at one time worked for them. And preacher, what's interesting, the servant's family name was the Brooks family. I'd never heard anything like this, but my grandfather said every child had four names. Surname or the uh, family name, Brooks, but they all had three names after that. For example, Walter Benjamin Hubert Brooks. One of the girls, Ida Nida Pearly Lee Brooks. 14 kids, if you give them all four names, you're going to run out of names pretty quick. Do you know the last child they told me? His name was DKLB. I said, Papa, what'd that stand for? He said, didn't stand for anything. That was his name, DKLB. They'd run out of names, so they gave him initials. Is everybody with me? Long names, are, are, you, are you understanding? I want you to understand, I've never seen a longer name than this one. This harlot entity's full name in verse five is this. Would you watch it? Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. That is her entire name. So for sake of time tonight, so that we don't get out of here at 10 o'clock, I'm gonna abbreviate her name from here on out. I'm not gonna use the entire name. I'm just gonna call her Mystery Babylon. Is everybody okay with that? 
The question I have is this. Who is Mystery Babylon? Preacher, it's vitally important we understand this is not literal Babylon. Babylon is an ancient city that existed in what is now modern-day Iraq. It was actually a, a location. This is not literal Babylon. The Bible identifies this harlot entity as mystery. Literally, it means figurative. Not literal, but figurative Babylon. The question I have is this. Is it possible that this figurative mystery Babylon entity is the United States of America. You say, preacher, why in the world would you even think that? Why would you even pose the question? Don't you know that most Bible scholars have taught, and yes, they have. I was taught this by my own father. I was taught this in Bible college and seminary. I'm not saying I know more than anybody else. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody else, but I'm just trying to say this. Folk, we have a little bit of an advantage from this perspective looking at things that maybe some of our forebears did not. Does everybody understand what I'm trying to say? Do you know we have an advantage? In, do you know Revelation 13 says there's going to be two witnesses that go out on the earth during the tribulation and they preach the gospel and the world's going to get upset with them and they're going to kill them and their dead bodies are going to lie in the streets of Jerusalem. Listen to the rest of it. And the eyes of the world are going to see their dead corpses lying in the city of Jerusalem for three days. Can you imagine a hundred years ago a preacher reading that? The eyes of the world? Now, I can imagine, you know, the majority of the occupants of the city of Jerusalem may be seeing their dead bodies lying in the streets of Jerusalem, but the eyes of the world, that's impossible. And it was 100 years ago, but we got a leg up right now. Listen, folk, with this thing I've got right here on the front row that you've got in your pocket or in your lap called a cell phone, people can watch it as it occurs, can't they? Yeah, the eyes of the world are going to see those guys. And by the way, what amazes me is on the third day, they're going to come back to life and stand up. Can you see a CNN reporter <laughs> reporting on that? And his camera guy's got, you know, and he's talking about these two guys lying in the street behind him, and all of a sudden they stand up and begin going to heaven, and the cameraman's going behind you, behind you. <laughs> you talk about a ratings bonanza, that's going to be it, right? What I'm trying to say is we have a little bit of an advantage, maybe over some of our brethren from years back. The question I want to post tonight and endeavor to answer is this. Is Mystery Babylon the United States of America? Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you the traditional interpretation for decades on end has been this, that Mystery Babylon is Rome. Mystery Babylon is Rome. I want to just for a few minutes contest that just a moment and pose the question and endeavor to answer it is it not Rome? Is it the United States? Well, again, Brother Dave, why would you pose the question? Three reasons, and I'm going to give you all three of them right now. Number one, I want you to see Mystery Babylon's description. Her description. If you're taking notes, just write that down. Her, Mystery Babylon's description. I want you to notice how she's described here in Revelation 17 and in Revelation 18. Her description. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Again, look at Revelation 17 verse 1. Apart, pardon me for going back and reading through it, but I want to show you something. I want you to see her, Mystery Babylon's description. Revelation 17, 1 says this, and, and there came one of the seven angels who had the seven vials or the seven bowls, talked with me saying, hey, John, come here, come here, come here. I want to show unto thee the judgment of the great, what's the word again? Say it out loud. Whore, the great harlot, mystery Babylon. Here comes the first descriptive phrase that sitteth 
that sitteth upon many waters. Preacher, whoever Mystery Babylon is, whatever she represents, this description of her is not at the very end of the tribulation, but it's almost at the very end of the tribulation, and she is seen as sitting on many waters. Now, folk, again, I'm a word nut. I love words. The word on in English is a Greek term that means to sit across, to sit astride, to sit on top of. Some people would say great synonym would be this. She's made up of many waters. Well, the obvious question I have and the question you should have is this. What do the many waters represent? What are the many waters? Did you know the Bible is its own best interpreter? Can I hear an amen? Look at Revelation 17 verse 15 because we find out what the many waters are. It's spelled out right here in the Bible. Look at Revelation 17, 15. And he, John says, he, the angel, saith unto me, the waters, the waters which thou sawest, where the whore, where the harlot entity, where mystery Babylon sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations. The word nations there is the Greek word ethnos, ethnicities, and tongues or languages. In other words, in the last days, Mystery Babylon, whoever she is, whatever she represents, America or otherwise, she is seen sitting on top of, she's seen sitting astride, across. Some would say made up of, watch this, a multiplicity of people groups. By the way, let me ask you a question. America's been called for decades, what kind of a pot? We've been called a what? Melting pot, because we're made up of a multiplicity of people groups, languages, ethnicities. Everybody with me? Well, Brother Dave, does this in and of itself prove that Mystery Babylon is America? No, it does not. But it is interesting, isn't it? She's seen sitting, whoever she is, whatever she represents, made up of, some would say, of a multiplicity of people groups. That is descriptive phrase number one. I want you to see a second description of Mystery Babylon. Look at verse three. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, that is the angel did, and John says, and I saw a woman. Here she is, the harlot entity. I saw a woman sit upon a, watch this, she's not just sitting on waters, she's sitting on a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. So preacher, she's not only seen sitting on many waters, she's also seen sitting on the back of a scarlet colored beast that has seven heads and ten horns. Let me ask you a question. What is the name of this road out here, front, front of the church? That's right, that's what the GPS lady told me. She told me that every night. By the way, do anybody know if you can get GPS instructions in a man's voice so it's not a woman always telling me what? To, I'm, I'm joking. I'm just, I'm just joking. Okay. <laughs> Indian Hill. Indian Hill Road. Okay, let's say tonight after the service, we're walking out to the, to, to the you know, foyer and going to go out and get in our respective cars and coming from in Indian Hill, Indian Hill Road down here, going this way, up, up this direction on Indian Hill Road is a wild African lion. If you saw that, would you not think that's a tad odd? Well, why would that be odd, Brother Dave? Because African lions are not native to this part of North Carolina. In fact, they're not native to North Carolina at all. They're not even native to the United States of America. So if you saw a wild African lion on Indian Hill Road going this direction, you ought to think that's a tad odd. But if on the back of that wild African lion you saw a beautiful woman, and she's just riding on the back of the lion. The lion's not trying to buck, buck her off. It's not trying to turn around and bite her. 
And she looks toward the church and some people preacher call it the Disney wave or the parade wave or the float wave. She's just waving at us. She's just riding in what I'm going to call unnatural coziness on the back of a wild African lion. If you saw that tonight, would you think that's not just a tad odd, that's a lot odd. Can I hear an amen? What I'm trying to tell you is this, whoever Mystery Babylon is, whatever she represents, America or otherwise, preacher, she is seen in the last days toward the end of the tribulation riding an unnatural coziness on the back of a seven-headed, ten-horned beast, which is the kingdom of Antichrist. So whoever Mystery Babylon is, whatever she represents, she has an unnaturally cozy relationship with the empire of the Antichrist in the last days. Is everybody listening to me? If, if, if the one world religion of the last days is not Rome, but as I preached a couple of nights ago, happens to be Islam. Preacher, this could explain a lot. If Mystery Babylon is America. You say, Preacher, help me understand what you mean by that. Folk, have you noticed? Have you? N- Listen, America's war with Islam did not start on 9-11-01. We don't know our history. America's war with Islam started in the 1740s with a thing called the Barbary Wars. The Barbary pirates were Islamic. And you know what they did through our first two presidents, George Washington and John Adams? You know what they did? Anytime our ships going to pick up trade supplies or carry them to sell elsewhere, they went through the straits. The Muslims would hold our ships ransom, preacher, until we paid them a ransom. They were the Barbary pirates. When we got our third president, Thomas Jefferson, he said, we're not doing that anymore. Can I hear an Amen. We're not doing that. We're not paying a ransom. Here's the phrase he used, to the Mohammedans. The Mohammedans is what he called them. And he said this, and folk, we have not listened to Mr. Jefferson's solemn warning. He said, beware the Mohammedans. They're dangerous. No, our war with Islam didn't start in 2001. It started in 1740. But folks, it went to a whole other level after 9-11, didn't it? Folks, something's going on when we have, it seems like, in our Congress, and we now have four Muslims serving in Congress. Folks, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I know this is not politically correct, but it is constitutionally correct. You cannot lay your hand on a Quran and swear to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. Those two things are absolutely polar opposite. They are antithetical. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Their commitment is not to the United States. It's to the overthrow of the United States. And yet they'll practice a thing called taqiyah. That is, if you're Muslim, you can lie to a non-Muslim if it will advance the cause of Islam. And they lie all the time. Islam is a religion of peace. In fact, they'll say this, the word Islam means peace. No, it does not. The word Islam means submission. And it's a forced submission. Are you listening to me? Well, preacher, you must hate the Muslims. Oh, no, 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 no. If you think that's what's going on in my heart, you don't know me. I hate the ideology. It's out of the pit of hell. But I love the Muslims because they've been deceived. And they need Jesus. And they need to have some Christians who love them enough and venture out in courage and faith enough to share Jesus with them and love them to the Savior. Can I hear an amen? 
But the ideology of Islam is out of the pit of hell. Preacher in America right now, we got a love affair with Islam. You can demean Christianity, put Christianity down, talk about Christians. That clip you played of Glenn Beck saying they're, they're going after, and they are. They're going after us. By the way, folks, you need to be aware of this. Look, any of you have Duke Energy as your power source, Duke Energy? You ought to look. You ought to look on your bill. You ought to look and see if at the bottom of your bill like it is on mine, I'm assuming yours is the same way, they have how much I've spent on electricity the past 30 days. They say, here's what your neighbors have spent. You know what they're doing? They're giving you what's now called an ESG score. Everybody know what a credit score is? Credit score will determine how much you can borrow. It'll determine a lot of other things. You're also being given right now, every American is, an ESG score. E stands for environmental, S stands for social, and G stands for governance. You say, what does that mean? How do I, how do I get my ESG score demeaned or you know, accelerated? If you post on Facebook that you love a border to protect the United States' southern and northern borders, if you believe in religious liberty, man, if you're pro-Second Amendment, your ESG score is really going to drop and they're going to start punishing us because of a low ESG score. Is everybody listening to what I'm saying? I've got probably a zero ESG score because of what I post on Facebook, okay? Because <laughs> I am not politically correct. By the way, I'm tired of trying to be politically correct. In love, I want to be biblically correct. It matters little to me about being politically correct. But folk, you're being given an ESG score. By the way, they've just been talking about it on Fox News. You won't get a loan if you've got a problem on Facebook. By the way, you're looking at a jailbird. I've been in jail so many times, Facebook jail. Preacher, I'm surprised I'm out right now. E-S-G. It's a way to go after conservative Christians. But you know what? You can demean Christianity. Heaven help you if you say anything about Islam, they come after you. Everybody know what I'm talking about? By the way, not far from Statesville, between Statesville and Hickory, there is a billboard that has, I think, I drove by it, I think, preacher, it's three-second sight time at max, closer to two-second sight time. In other words, as you're driving by at 65 miles an hour, the only amount of time you'll see it is 1,001, 1,002, and then you don't see it anymore. We put a billboard up out there that said, why... Question, why support a travel ban? Because 19 Muslim immigrants killed 2,977 Americans on 9-11-01. Now I want to ask you a question. Is there anything untruthful about that? You say, preacher, they weren't immigrants. Well, we didn't know they were just going to be here five months, six months, and then take their own lives in a, in a dastardly attempt to take out America. We, did, we assumed uh, what they'd communicate is we're going to come and stay here. We're immigrating here. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And they killed 2,977 Americans. So there are certain countries that ought not be allowed just unmitigated, the people of unmitigated access across our borders. Right. That's just common sense. That's not hateful. By the way, my wife is Hispanic. She has beautiful olive skin. She has dark eyes. She has black hair. She's gorgeous. Do you know her family immigrated here from Mexico and they did it the right way? They took the test. They learned history. They did everything. It is an affront to them to allow unmitigated access of people coming here illegally when they and many millions of others did it the right way. Can I hear an amen? I feel better. 
What I'm trying to help you understand, folks, is this. Something's going on in our country. Islam is defended at every turn while Christianity is condemned. Preacher, it could explain a lot if Mystery Babylon is America. And in the last days after the rapture toward the end of the tribulation, the United States is this harlot entity riding an unnatural coziness on the back of Antichrist empire, the world religion of which will be Islam. Is everybody listening to what I'm saying? Well, preacher, does this prove Mystery Babylon inconclusively or conclusively rather is the United States of America? No, but it's interesting. Her description, number two, I want you to write this down. Not only her description, number two, her, Mystery Babylon, whoever she is, whatever she represents, America or otherwise, her debauchery. Not only her description, number two, her debauchery. You say, preacher, what does that mean? Debauchery is a fancy word for means her extreme wickedness. Her extreme wickedness. Her debauchery. Look at Revelation 18, verse one. I want you to see Mystery Babylon's extreme wickedness. Her debauchery. Verse one of Revelation 18 says, and after these things, this is John again, inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power and the earth was lightened with his glory. Look at verse two. And he, the angel, cried mightily with a strong voice, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. Now folk, look up at me for just a minute. The the fact that it's mentioned twice that Babylon falls, every Bible scholar concurs. I think they're 100% correct. It says Babylon is fallen, is fallen. It means she falls quickly and she falls thoroughly. Is everybody with me? Man, when she goes down, she goes down quick and she goes down completely. Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. Look at the middle of verse two. And is become a habitation or the habitation of, would you say the next word out loud? The habitation of what? Literally the word devils there means demons. In the last days toward the end of the tribulation, Whoever Mystery Babylon is, whatever she represents, America or otherwise, she is the habitation. She is overrun with demonic activity. Watch the rest of it. She's become the habitation of demons and the hold, the word hold means the cage of every foul spirit, or it means cave actually, the word hold, a cave of every foul spirit. Watch the last phrase. And a cage of every unclean and hateful. What's the last word? Look up at me for just a minute. Anybody in here a dog owner like we are? All right, hold your hands up if you're a dog owner. Okay. Awesome. By the way, uh, Harry Truman. Uh, didn't agree with everything Harry. I wasn't even alive, you know, when he was president. But I've read a lot about him. Didn't agree with every position. But I'll tell you what. In 1948, when Israel became a nation again, do you know the first world leader to recognize Israel as a state again, as a nation, was the president of the United States, Harry S. Truman? You say cussing Harry Truman recognized Israel, the first world leader to do it? Yeah, he did it within 10 minutes of Israel declaring themselves to be a state again. Can I hear an Amen. By the way, there's a backstory I wish I had time to tell you. Harry Truman grew up in Missouri in a Sunday school class. He had heard Genesis 12, 3 that says, I will bless those that bless you, Israel. I'll curse those that curse you. And he understood, if I don't stand for Israel, it'll cost not just me, it'll cost my country, America, the one I'm president over. It'll cost them dearly. And so he did right, even though he had his entire cabinet threatening to resign if he acknowledged Israel. Wow. Another reason I like Harry Truman is this. Harry Truman had a lot of wisdom. He said, if you want a friend in D.C., get a dog. (laughs) That's true, preacher. 
I mean, there's people I've thought were my friends that have turned their back on me when push came to shove in D.C. But you know what? Old Specs never turned his back on me. You know, when I get home tonight, you know what he's going to be doing? <laughs> and I'm sorry to tell you this, but if we let him, you know what he does at night? He gets on the bed and he turns around and around and then he plops down forgive me, and he does this with his head. He gets right over next to me. Not trying to get cozy, okay? Please don't start a rumor, okay? That dog snuggles with dad and mom. Can I hear an amen? If you want a friend in D.C., get a dog. Dog owners, dog lovers, understand that. Now, here's the $64,000 question. Anybody in here a current or former bird owner? Brother, you don't look like the bird owner type. Long time ago. ago. All right. And and it was your wife that got it probably, right? It it belonged to my mother at that time. Blame it on mom. Blame it on mom. Yeah. (laughs) Say, I'll do that. Do you mind me asking, what was the bird's name? Uh, One of them was Buddy and one was Foxy. Okay. You had two of them? One wasn't enough? No. Okay. All right. All right. (laughs) (laughs) He said, tastes like chicken. (laughs) Cockatiel, the other white meat, right? That's what it is. Okay, all right. Now, listen, bird owners, am I speaking truth? If you you purchase a bird, you cannot let it out of the house, right? Because it'll fly away. You got to keep it in the house. Am I speaking truth, bird owners? If you have a bird, though, you got to keep it in the house, but you cannot let it fly loose in the house. Got to have it in a cage, right? Am I speaking truth, bird? Some of the non-bird owners are going to go, well, Why would you have to keep it in a cage? Bird owners, is this not true? You have to keep it in a cage because birds, shall we say, do stuff. (laughs) They just do stuff, right? So you got to keep them in a cage. You got to put newspaper or something on the bottom of the cage and you have to change that newspaper out a couple times a day. Well, Brother Dave, why would you have to do it a couple of times a day? Because birds do stuff, right? I want you to understand something. Whoever Mystery Babylon is, whatever she represents, America or somebody else, in the last days, preacher, she becomes the cage of every unclean and hateful. Would you say the word again? What does that mean, preacher? It's a graphic illustration. In other words, by the time you get to the end of the tribulation, which is where Revelation 17 and 18 occurs, Whoever Mystery Babylon is, whether it's America or somebody else, she is so debauched, so evil, so wicked, she looks like the untouched, uncleaned bottom of a bird cage. Are you with me? She is that evil. Forgive me. I love my country, but this sounds just like us. Preacher, we have become dominated by evil. Do you know during the COVID years, people had a lot of time at home. Preacher, I hate even to bring this up, but people had a lot of time at home during those COVID months, especially the early months. Do you know everything? All the businesses went down, but one business did not. Prior to COVID, it was making almost 14 billion a, a year. It shot way up past that during the COVID years because of all the time. Men and women, tragically, had time at home. It's called the pornography trade. 
Folks, do you understand? America is the chief purveyor. We're the one that make that stuff and we send it, we export it all over the globe. This sounds just like us. A cage of every unclean and hateful bird. We're talking about the debauchery, the extreme wickedness of Mystery Babylon, whoever she is, whatever she represents. By the way, it doesn't end there. Look at verse number three. For all nations, Revelation 18, three, for all nations. By the way, the word nations, there's again the word ethnos, all ethnic groups have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her, Mystery Babylon's. What's the word again? Her what? Again, Brother Dave, is that literal physical fornication? Hang on. Look at the rest of it. All nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Watch this. And the kings of the earth have committed what with her? Again, Brother Dave, literal physical fornication? Hang on. The kings of the earth, world leaders, whoever Mystery Babylon is, whatever she represents, the kings of the earth, world leaders have committed fornication with her. Now we have some additional information about to show up. And the merchants of the earth, the word merchants means the businessmen of the earth. Look what they've done with Mystery Babylon. The business, the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her, Mystery Babylon's. Would you say the next word out loud in the King James? Her what? Delicacies, the word delicacies literally in Greek means her sensualities. Preacher, whoever Mystery Babylon is, whatever she represents, in the last days she's become so sensual, so evil, that the businessmen of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her sensuality. Wow. Sounds to me just like us. I want to answer the question, is the fornication that's been repeatedly mentioned here, is it literal physical fornication? It is not. It is not physical fornication. Now, I'm not trying to be graphic or gross. I know we've got some younger folks here, but I want you to look up at me. You do know what fornication is. You say, of course, Brother Dave, I know what it is. I'm not talking about the physical act. I'm talking about the motivation behind it. Do you know what the motivation for fornication is? Here's a guy who works at a furniture plant in Hudson or Lenore, North Carolina. He's got a wedding ring on the fourth finger of his left hand, which means at some point he stood at a marriage altar and he's made a commitment to his bride and he's made this promise, I will keep myself only to you so long as we both shall live. Can I hear an amen right there? But he works in a furniture plant with a, work, with a woman who may be in the front office. She's got a wedding ring on the fourth finger of her left hand, which means at some point, either at a justice of the peace or at a church altar, she's made the same commitment to her husband. I will keep myself only to you so long as we both shall live. But these two people married to other people work together. Pastor, do you know how many times I've been told this story? In 39 years of traveling the world? You know what the motivation for fornication is? This guy abandons his commitment to his bride. This woman abandons her commitments to her husband. And for a few moments of fleeting pleasure, he uses her and she uses him to both get what they want. That's the motivation. I want you to understand the kings of the earth, world leaders, and the businessmen of the earth are not committing literal physical fornication with Mystery Babylon, whoever she is. Preacher, what they're committing is economic fornication. They're using her to get what they want and she's using them 
to get what she wants. Is everybody with me? Forgive me. This sounds just like America. You know what's God in America right now? This. Everybody almost in America has a price. I can promise you this. 20 years of working on Capitol Hill. Preacher, the best politician, the guy that comes there with a great resume, he's committed to doing right initially. They all seem to have a price. Well, I want to go on record tonight. 63 years old, Dave Kistler is not for sale at any price. That's why I told your pastor, I have never asked for a penny to go anywhere and I'm never going to. Why, Brother Dave? Because my dad would come out of the grave and get me if I did otherwise. You say, what does that mean? He said, son, if you're going to preach faith, live that way. If you're going to preach faith, be an embodiment of that. Don't ask for anything and watch God show up. As you can tell, I haven't missed too many meals. God's an awesome God, isn't he? He is my provider. He is my defender. He is my protector. He is my savior. He is my master. He is my Lord. And he's my soon coming king. I am not for sale. Well, preacher... If you'll just hedge and not talk about that, we'll, have people told you this? Yes, they have. Just don't be that adamant about that and we'll make sure you've got this. I'm sorry. I'm gonna put my head on a pillow at night and I'm gonna sleep peacefully and I'm not gonna be indebted to any man. I'm indebted to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. See, America... Everybody's on the take. So the fornication here is economic. Fornication. Kings of the earth, businessmen, using Mystery Babylon, her using them both to get what they want. By the way, folk, I have to say this. This is encapsulated in a family, multiple families, but one of them is very prominent right now. And I'm sorry, if this offends you, if you'll come to me after the service and apologize for your being offended, I'll forgive you, I promise I will. But the Biden family is a crime syndicate. They're a crime syndicate. Forgive me, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be political. Raid the 45th president's home, he's a private citizen now, and go after boxes. It's in his purview as president to do with that what he wants. He can declassify anything with a snap of a finger. There's a law in the books that says he can do it. And Hunter Biden have a laptop filled with compromising stuff with China and Ukraine. And he's still walking the streets. Are you kidding me? And Hillary Clinton, don't get me started. Preacher, if you and I had our own private server and we worked for the government, we'd be under the jail and wouldn't be out the rest of our lives. How come she gets by with it? Man, we got a two-tiered justice system in this country, don't we? I don't care if you got a D or R after your name. If you do wrong, you ought to have to pay the price the American people has to pay. Makes me some mad. Do you tell the Republicans this? Yes, I do. If you're coming to Dave Kistler looking for a pat on the back, 
that you guys get to skate when it comes to doing wrong. You're not going to find that from Dave. No, I'm sorry. D or R. I love you all the same. I want to see all of you saved. But the fact of the matter is this. If I'm going to be punished for doing wrong, if my friends at Calvary Baptist Union Grove get punished for doing wrong, you guys ought to face the same consequence. That's common sense. As well as being Bible and being the law. I didn't plan on saying any of that, Pastor. But man, do I feel like my load's lighter. You guys are awesome. I love you. Thank you for putting up with my brief rant. My ESG score just dropped though, preacher. (laughs) We're talking about Mystery Babylon's debauchery. I want you to look at verse 5 of Revelation 18. Now, folks, stay with me. Stay with me. I want you to see this. For her sins... Whose sins? Mystery Babylon sins. Whoever she is, whatever she represents, whether she's America or somebody else, her sins have reached unto heaven. And God hath remembered her iniquities. Now watch carefully verse 6. Reward unto her even as she rewarded you. And double unto her double according to her works. In the cup which she has filled, fill to her double. In other words, whatever she's done, double it up back to her in punishment. Are you listening? Wow. Why does God say do that to Mystery Babylon, whoever she is? Look at verse 7. Here's why. How much she hath glorified, said out loud, who? Herself. And lived how? The word deliciously, you need to put this somewhere in the margin. The word deliciously in Greek means in exorbitant luxury. Whoever Mystery Babylon is, whatever she represents, she's lived in exorbitant luxury. Folk, that's us to a T. Preacher, I've been all over the globe. I love every place I go. In fact, when I went to Africa the first time, I didn't want to come home. When I went to England the first time, I didn't want to come home. I fell in love with the people. Those precious little African children whose moms and dads are dying of AIDS and other sexually transmitted diseases. And these little kids are beautiful and they're in the orphanages. And my wife and our youngest daughter went and rocked these little kids and just played with them and held them and hugged them. Some of them have AIDS, preacher, because they got it from their mom and dad. But they need the love of Jesus. I wanted to adopt every one of them, bring them back or stay. Listen to me, friends. America is in trouble. How much she hath glorified herself and lived in exorbitant luxury. The rest of the world doesn't live like we live, folks. They don't wear the clothes we wear. They don't live in the houses we live in. They don't drive the automobiles we drive. They don't have nice church buildings like this. In Africa, their church floors are dirt or concrete, bare concrete, dusty as it can possibly be, animals walking in and out. The rest of the world's not like us. We've had it made, haven't we? Look again at verse 7. How much she hath glorified herself, Mystery Babylon, whoever she is. America or otherwise, and live deliciously in exorbitant luxury. Now watch the rest of verse 7. So much torment and sorrow give her. Why give her so much torment and sorrow? Here's why. Look at the next phrase. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen. Now look up at me for a minute. Preacher, right there, that phrase, that phrase right there is a key reason why many Bible scholars said, aha, aha, I know who Mystery Babylon is because of the phrase, I sit a queen. It's Rome. 
Because see, in Roman doctrine, Mary is called the queen of heaven. So when Mystery Babylon says, I said a queen, many of Bible scholars said, aha, aha, I know who this is. It's Rome. Because in Roman theology, Roman Catholic theology, Mary is called the queen of heaven. Can I be honest with you, folks? That phrase, I said a queen, has nothing to do with Roman Catholic doctrine. Nothing. Look at the rest of Mystery Babylon's statement. It doesn't stop with I sit a queen. It says, I sit a queen and am no widow. Preacher, there's a contrast being drawn between being a queen in those days versus being a widow in those days. Do you understand? In those days, if you were a widow, you were dependent on other people to take care of you. Mystery Babylon is saying, that's not me. I'm the antithesis. I'm not a, I don't need anybody to do anything for me. I'm a queen. And look at the last phrase of that verse. And she'll never see any sorrow. Man, I've got the world by the tail on a downhill run. I'm not, a, I'm not dependent on anybody. I got it made and I'll never This is a statement of extreme arrogance. Has nothing to do with Mary and Roman Catholic. It's a statement by Mystery Babylon, whoever she is, of incredible arrogance. Forgive me, folks. That sounds just like us. Now, please don't misunderstand where I'm going. I love the United States. I love that flag. By the way, Pastor... Proudly she waves, O glory, over the land of the free. Promise of hope and freedom, symbol of liberty. Red, white, and blue are her colors, colors both brilliant and clear. Colors with far deeper meaning than that at first may appear. Red is for blood of patriots who have died to free us. White is for justice and government of law. Blue is for honor and faith in all we do. This is my flag. This is, oh glory, the red, white, and blue. And you know what? Every time she passes and the anthem as a tribute to her is sung, I put my hand over my heart and I stand at attention. Something wrong with you if you don't have the same response. I want you to understand I love America. But also, I have to be honest, America's in trouble because we've become highly arrogant. Pastor, in my 20 trips plus to the country of England, it's interesting. I love the British people. I love them. By the way, you know the steering wheels on the right-hand side of the British cars? You drive on the right-hand side of the road. So it means when you go through a McDonald's drive through and I did one time drive in one of those British cars, you know the order here and you drive up and the, it's on this side of the car and I rolled the window down and after placing, in fact, when I placed my order, it was interesting. The lady said, when I said, do you have, I don't remember what it was. She said, we don't have any of those. I said, well, how about one of these? She said, we've got some of those. I said, kind of imitating her, well, then I will have one of those. <laughs> when I pulled up to pay and get my food, she looked through and she said, you're not from around Trilderar. You're not from around here, are you? I said, no, ma'am, I'm not. What was your first clue? She said, your accent is a dead giveaway. (laughs) 
I said, ma'am, with all due respect, I'm not the one with an accent. You are. <laughs> she, I thought she's going to fall out the window laughing. So we became incredible friends. I love the British people. I love them. Do you know what they call us now over there? Those arrogant Yanks. Those arrogant Yanked. Very accurate. Man, we thought we'll recover from 9 11 because we're resilient and entrepreneurial. And you know what? We are both of those things. But if you think the reason we recovered from 9 11 is just because we're entrepreneurial and resilient, you've missed it. We recovered because God let us recover. You're right. And you know what? I hear some of our leaders, and I know what sometimes they're trying to do. They're trying to encourage the American people. We can take on anything and recover. But it's, we'll do it. No, we won't. If God's not on our side, as Abraham Lincoln said, we don't do anything. No, we've become, folks, I'm sorry, an arrogant lot. I said a queen and am no widow is a statement of extreme arrogance and God said, I'm going to punish that arrogance because pride goes before destruction. Haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 7, these six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are abomination unto him. You know what the first one is? A prideful look. God hates pride and America has forgotten the source of our blessing. That's why if we love America... The answer's in this room to the revival. We got to humble ourselves. Her debauchery, arrogant, immoral. Look, if you would please it, verse number eight of Revelation 18. Now buckle in tight. From her description and her debauchery, and we're going to be done, I want you to see number three, her destruction. Mystery Babylon's destruction. Now I want you to watch this. This is phenomenal. Revelation 18.8, her destruction. Therefore, anytime you see the word therefore, you need to know what it's there for. It's based on what was said in verse seven. Arrogance brings something. Therefore, look what God's gonna do. Therefore shall her plagues come in, would you say the next two words, in what? One day, death, mourning, famine, Watch how she's going to be destroyed. She shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. Now, folk, look at me for a minute. Again, imagine 100 years ago. Imagine 100 years ago a preacher preaching on this and going, this powerful entity, whoever Mystery Babylon is, this powerful entity, when she is judged and when she goes down to destruction, she's going down in one day. Can you imagine a preacher going, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. From the description of this mystery Babylon entity, whoever she is, she's obviously powerful and wealthy beyond description. How could she go, how could she go down in one day? By the way, folks, all we have to do is look at what's going on right now between Russia and Ukraine. Preacher, I'm convinced. Oh, Vladimir Putin thought five days and we'll control the country. How many months are we into this thing now? Six months? You know what he didn't count on? The fight of the Ukrainian people. See, folks, they've known communism and they've known freedom. And I'm here to tell you, they're not going back to communism. They'll die first. 
You know what the tragedy is in America? We've had freedom for so long, we've never known anything but. Preacher, a survey was just conducted. You know how many people said, if push came to shove and we had to defend our freedom, would you be willing to pick up a weapon yourself and defend your personal freedom and your nation's freedom? You know what percentage of Americans said they'd be willing to do that? 30%. God have mercy. Folk, the day may come where we have to defend our freedom. By the way, in the Declaration of Independence, our founders saw that because they understood the Bible and human nature. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these, not limited to these rights, but among the rights we've been given by God, our life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, listen to this, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. That's us. We give them permission to govern. They are our employees. We are not their servants. They are not our masters. Can I hear an amen? Listen to the next phrase. Nobody knows this one. When any form of government becomes detrimental to those ends, what ends? Life, liberty, pursuit, happiness. It is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and establish in its place a new government predicated upon those principles and establish upon those things that shall them, the people, deem most likely to procure their happiness. Can I hear an amen? amen. amen. They're declaring independence from Great Britain. But they're saying if it ever comes again, it's the right of the people to abolish the old and establish something. Preacher, are you calling for an insurrection not on your life? And by the way, if January 6th of 2021 was an insurrection, it was the most poorly planned and poorly executed insurrection I've ever seen in my life. Preacher, you mean to tell me with 1.2 million people in Washington, D.C., if that were an insurrection, they wanted to take over the Capitol, nothing could have stopped them. Insurrection. (sighs) These people will lie when the truth would be better to tell. Folk, what I'm trying to say is this. We need God in America again. Because of Mystery Babylon's debauchery, she's going down in one day. It's taken six months, and Russia still hadn't taken over Ukraine. So what could happen to this powerful entity, Mystery Babylon, whether it's America or anybody? What happens that she goes down in one day? I want you to look at verse 9. And the kings of the earth, who have, here it is again, who have committed fornication, economic fornication, and lived deliciously in exorbitant luxury with her, Mystery Babylon, shall bewail her. And lament for her when they shall see the smoke, watch this, of her burning. So whatever happens in Mystery Babylon involves smoke, fire, and burning. Look at verse 10. Standing, that is, the kings of the earth, standing afar off for the fear of her torment. Now I want you to look up at me. I want to explain something to you. Pastor, what, it, what the motivation is, they're standing, the kings of the earth, at a great, great distance from Mystery Babylon for fear of Her torment. In other words, she's going through something we won't know part of. And if we stay far enough away from her, we won't get caught up in it. What could they be trying to avoid that if they get too close, they could get caught up in it? Look at verse 10. Standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city. Please watch this next phrase. 
For in one, what's the next word? Hour is thy judgment come. Folks, listen, Mystery Babylon, whether it's America or otherwise, when she goes down, she doesn't just go down in one day, she goes down in one hour of one day. Wow. Can I just tell you what my friends in the security apparatus are telling me, and I'm not betraying a secret. One of my friends is a former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense. Right now, what he does is he's in charge of all the checked baggage at every airport in America. When you go somewhere and you check a bag, he's responsible for that. Having that bag scanned, opening it up if they deem necessary to look through it, that's his domain. He's designed and oversees the system that checks checked bags. You know what he's told me he's scared to death of? He said, Dave, what we fear in the security apparatus is this. Somebody's going to ship a component from outside the United States to Charlotte, North Carolina. Somebody else is going to ship another piece from outside the United States to uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Somebody else is going to ship another piece from outside the United States to Seattle, Washington. Somebody else will ship another piece to Atlanta, Georgia. And they have people in the United States called runners. And they'll get in an automobile and they'll drive to those cities I just named. They'll retrieve the individual pieces, bring them to a common location, and then they will put together from those individual components that have come from all over the world into different cities in America, they will assemble what's called a dirty bomb. And my friend said, Dave, here's the frightening thing. We live with this every day. That's why he said, I'm doing what I'm doing. He said, a dirty bomb can have a nuclear component to it. And he said, here's our fear that somebody will assemble one of those. And he said, they can be small enough to fit in a decent-sized suitcase. And somebody carries one of those suitcases into the subway system in America's biggest city, New York. Sets it down, walks off, and from blocks away, takes their cell phone, dials a number that is attached to a device inside that suitcase, and they detonate a nuclear device. Preacher, that would create smoke and fire, and burning. And that would cause people to say, if I can stay far enough away, I won't get caught in the radiation fallout. Is everybody with me? You say, Brother Dave, are you saying that's what it has to be? No. I want you to understand the Bible says, strong is the Lord God who judges mystery Babylon. Do you know all God would have to do to take us down right now is just blind the eyes of a secret service agent, blind the eyes of a Department of Homeland Security person just for a second or two, and something get through. And we could go down in one hour of one day. You know what we do? We're still shaking our fist in the face of the God who controls everything. Who do we think we are? Wow. Now I want you to see one final thing and I'm done. I want you to flip over to chapter 18. I want you to look at verse number 23. So thorough is going to be the judgment of Mystery Babylon, whoever she is, whether she's America or somebody else. So thorough is going to be Mystery Babylon's destruction. Look at what verse 23 says is going to happen or not happen. Look at this. Chapter 18, verse 23. And the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee, Mystery Babylon. That's who it's talking to. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. You say, preacher, what does that mean? It literally means this. 
people aren't going to be interested when Mystery Babylon is judged and goes down. They're not going to be interested in getting married. Preacher, they're just going to be interested in surviving. A lot of a candle be heard and seen no more at all. Bridegroom and bride's voice won't be heard anymore. Nobody interested in getting married, just trying to survive what's happened. Look at the rest of verse 23. For thy merchants, your merchants, Mystery Babylon, your merchants, your businessmen were the great men of the earth. Is that not true of America? For by thy, would you say the next word out loud? Sorceries, by your sorceries, Mystery Babylon, were all what deceived? By the way, the word nations is again ethnos. By your sorceries, Mystery Babylon, were all ethnic groups deceived. Now look up at me and I'm done. When you read the word sorcery in the Bible or when you read it anywhere, you think immediately, probably like me, you think black magic, sorcery, right? By the way, I, I, y'all won't believe this, but I, I was a Shakespearean actor in college. Did you know that? I was. I'm not kidding. I was. In fact, I, the only play I, I wanted to be in Macbeth because I wanted to be one of those witches that are standing over the boiling cauldron and they're going double, double toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble. They wouldn't let me do it though, brother. <laughs> See, that's what we think of when we think sorcery, potions and black magic. Folk, I want you to understand the Greek word that is translated into the English word sorcery in verse 23 of, of, of Revelation 18 is the Greek word pharmakia, from which, yes, we get the English word pharmacy. You know what pharmakia was in Bible times? Preacher, it was illicit drug use. And the chief offending drug in Bible times happened to be opium. You know what God is saying here? Mystery Babylon, whoever you are, it was your businessmen that were the great men of the earth and by your illicit drug use, all ethnic groups were deceived. Forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, that sounds just like us. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but pastor, I got highly involved in a local sheriff's race in our county. There was a guy that was coming in as a carpet bagger trying to, I'm sorry, this, I know this is going out online. I don't apologize. Guy came in, not even really part of our county, trying to be the elected sheriff. And we had a young man who was the deputy sheriff who is a hero. By the way, he went to a domestic violence call or domestic dispute call in our county and got shot five times. I interviewed him, had him on the radio. His story was so compelling. I said, man, Banks, tell me about it. Tell me. He said, I drove up in the driveway. He said, I knew I was in trouble when the guy was sitting on the porch with a gun. I got out and said, put the gun down. He brought it up, fired, shot right through his hand. He said, as I'm drawing my service revolver out, shot through my hand and through the gun. Totally immobilized the gun, shot three fingers off my hand. He said, I run around behind my car. He said, we're trained to shoot with both hands. He said, I'm trying to find another weapon. And he said, I didn't realize this. I'm going around behind the car. Preacher, you got shot four more times. This is heroism. And by the way, this is why I love law enforcement. Enough of this defund the police junk. By the way, you had two police officers here last night who did a stellar job. Defund them. Are you kidding me? Here's heroism. He said, Dave, I got on the radio he had never shared this publicly in this fashion. One of my friends said, Dave, I can't believe he told you on radio. 
But he said, I wouldn't let any of the officers that responded come into the kill zone. He said, from where I was behind the car to the roadway where all the other officers were was a quarter of a mile. You know what he did, preacher? He walked to them. Having been shot five times already. Bullets hitting the ground all around him. That's a hero. Can I hear an amen? And by the way, this guy loves Jesus with all of his heart. I said, I want to see you elected sheriff of our county. And praise God, he won over 60% of the vote. Can I hear an amen? The carpetbagger got about 30. Praise God. Still some people have common sense in America. When I was talking to this guy, getting his personal testimony so I'd know how to vote, he said, preacher, you do know this. I did know. But he took a salt shaker and I don't know, looked like four granules of salt he dumped out on the table. He said, Dave, do you know right there, right there, that is enough fentanyl. If that were fentanyl, that is enough to kill everybody in this restaurant and a whole bunch more. And he said, preacher, I don't know if you know. I did know, but he put an exclamation point on it. He said, do you know the major artery, the major artery that is taking drugs from our southern border all the way to our northern border is Interstate 77. It is the major artery, friends. Are you listening to me? He said, preacher, if I were you, I would not let your wife go. I'm not trying to frighten you. He said to the Hickory Walmart, I would not let her go there at night anytime after nine o'clock by herself because they patrol the lot, the, the, the human traffickers do, looking for women and girls to pick up. The number one artery in America from our southern border to the northern border for drug trafficking, human and sex trafficking is Interstate 77. And you know what we're doing, church? We got our head buried in the sand. Right. Preacher, look how strategically you're located here to have a ministry to these people who desperately need Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Folk, you're not here accidentally. This church isn't growing accidentally. God's got his hand on this place for a reason. Are you listening to me? Amen. We're here for a purpose. We dare not miss it. What I'm trying to tell you is this. One of the reasons, key reasons, God destroys Mystery Babylon, whoever she is, is because of her drug use. That ain't Rome. It's not. Now, would you come help me for just a second? I want you to stand right here and face me. And I want you to represent the next event on God's prophetic timetable, which is called the rapture of the church, okay? Have you ever done rapture practice? Okay. You know what he's saying? I'm waiting for the day Jesus comes back. I won't have to jump. He's going to pull me out of here. Amen. I'm in agreement. But you're going to be the rapture. Now, folk, watch. Next event on God's prophetic timetable is the rapture. All I know tonight is that hasn't occurred yet. Again, Brother Dave, how do you know that? Because I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> All I know tonight is every one of us in this room, moi included, we are on this side of the rapture. What we don't know is how far on this side of this we are. Are we, I mean, <laughs> preacher, it's laughable. Are we 200 years away from the rapture? <laughs> are we 20 years away from the rapture? Are we two years away from the rapture? Are we two months? 20, not getting cozy again. 20 minutes, 2 minutes, 20 seconds. We don't know, do we? All we know is we're, we're on this side of that. 
Now, folks, please, I want to show you something. If, and it doesn't even seem feasible, if we're 200 years away from the rapture, whoever Mystery Babylon is, it could be anybody if we're 200 years away from the rapture. If, however, we're 20 years or less from the rapture, America has to be a possibility. Because 20 years is not enough time for anybody else to rise to the prominence that is described here, which we fit that description. We have to be a possibility. You say, well, Brother Dave, are we Mystery Babylon? I cannot say that definitively. But I will tell you this, we are the strongest possibility out there right now. If we're 20 years or less, it would appear to me that it has to be us. If it's more than that, all bets are off. Thank you, brother. You may be seated. Folks, in one sense, in one sense, it doesn't matter who Mystery Babylon is. But in another sense, it does. Because you've got friends and loved ones and co-workers and family members and neighbors that are going to be left behind after the rapture. And if they don't know Jesus, they're going to go through this seven years of tribulation. And they're going to watch Antichrist come out onto the world stage. And they're going to watch this entity, Mystery Babylon, whether it's America or whoever, they're going to watch God judge her. And as he judges her, he judges the world. And the judgment falls on individual people. So we've got a vested interest in this. If we've got people that are all around us that don't know Christ. That's why I've been trying to tell you folk all week, we're here on mission. What I think some of us are is AWOL. We've forgotten our mission. What I want to do tonight is challenge you to get back on mission. And understand why we're here. For the glory of God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, would you speak to us tonight? Lord, I never cease to be amazed by the power of your word. The specificity of your word. The amazing nature of your precious book. Including and especially the prophetic portions. Lord, as I read through and studied and prayed over Revelation 17 and 18 saying, God, show me, show me something. Lord, as I delved into the words and the definitions of them, the meanings, Father, it just came alive to me. Lord, it sure looks like Mystery Babylon has to be us if it's 20 years or less from the rapture. But Lord, whether it is or whether it isn't us, the key thing we need to understand is we are here to fulfill a mission that you've given us, and that's to reach a lost world. So Father, please, please tonight, help us to understand that, and please don't let us fumble the ball this close to the end zone. The end zone is your return. Father, please, please don't let us fumble the ball this close. If we have fumbled it, help us to pick it up and run all the way across the goal line. And live for you, Lord, till you come back to take us home. And Father, for what you do, I'm going to thank you. Now, folks, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I want to ask you just a couple of quick questions. How many of you in the room can say, Dave, of this I'm sure. 
Jesus Christ is my Savior. Man, if the rapture occurred tonight, in the next 20 minutes, I know I'm going up because I know I've been saved. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going up in the rapture. If you know that's true, would you lift your hand and hold it as high as you can? All over the room. Thank you. You may put your hand down. Folks, tonight, I'm going to ask you, you've heard it so many times. You're going to be prone to let it go in one ear out the other without thinking about it. Please don't do that. Is there anyone in the room tonight that is not 100% certain that if the rapture occurred tonight, you'd go up? In other words, you're not sure 100% that you're saved. But God's Holy Spirit's dealing with you tonight. And you'd be willing to say, preacher, here's the deal. I'm not 100% certain I've been born again. But I sure know this. I don't want to miss the rapture. No, friend, you don't. I'm concerned, preacher, and I'd like you to pray for me. Friend, what I'd love to do is pray that before it's too late, you'll come to Jesus and be saved. Is there anyone in the room tonight? Well, I'm the only one looking. Everyone else has their head bowed and eyes closed. And I appreciate your cooperation. Is there anyone that would say, Dave, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm going up if the rapture occurred tonight. But I sure know this. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be left behind. Please pray for me, preacher. Please pray for me. If that's you, would you lift your hand long enough for me to see it anywhere in the room tonight? Anywhere at all. I'm going to tarry just a couple of extra seconds. Preacher, I'm not sure. All right, I've got one final question. Before I pose it, I want to say this to our online audience. If you're not sure you're going to heaven, there's a number at the bottom of the screen. There are people waiting at phones right now here at Calvary Baptist Union Grove. You call that number, dear friend. They'll pick up the phone and they'll talk to you and tell you how you can know Jesus. They'll introduce you to Him tonight. Can I beg of you to make the call? God bless you. Friends in this room, I want to pose one final question. I've never been more serious in my life. I wish I could tell you everything I'm privy to and I just can't. But I am going to say this. There's going to be a speech given Thursday night from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Independence Hall. The man who calls himself President of the United States right now is going to deliver it. And it's going to deal with this topic, protecting our democracy in America. Preacher, that sounds good. That shouldn't sound good to you at all because we're not a democracy. We're a republic. There's democratic elements to what happens in our nation. The democratic element is we get to vote. But we're not a democracy. We're a republic. There's a big difference. If you don't know the difference, I would implore you to do your homework. I have no doubt because of some things I know that are going to go into that speech. It'll be probably the most rabid 
advocating for Marxism you and I will have ever heard in our country. Because that's what's going on right now. Some of it's pure communism that they're advocating. What I'm trying to tell you, folk, is this. We are millimeters away from losing our freedom in this country. So if we don't exercise certain liberties, we're going to lose them forever. And the number one liberty that we ought to exercise is found in the First Amendment of the United States, where Congress cannot make any law respecting an establishment of religion. In other words, we have freedom of religion in America. We've still got it. So you know what we need to be doing with it? As Christians, we need to be reaching out. See, we have a higher mandate than just a constitutional First Amendment. We have a biblical mandate from Jesus. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, the great commission, which has become the great omission. We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're to evangelize every human being. Christian friends, tonight I want to ask you something. Answer this in your own heart. How effective, how energetic, how deliberate have you been in trying to reach people around you in this community with the gospel? How deliberate have you been? How energetic have you been? How passionate have you been? Folk, we stand on the verge of losing it. Again, there's a lot more I'd love to tell you. I just can't. You're going to have to take my word. We're millimeters away from losing our opportunity to share the gospel. So what we're going to do, we have to start doing right now. So here's my appeal tonight, Christian friends. If you've understood what's been said, whether Mystery Babylon's America or not, in one sense is immaterial, it's somebody, looks like to me, we're the prime candidate. But Jesus is coming. And what we're going to do, we've got to do it now. How many of you would be willing to say, I get it, preacher, I get it, I get it, I get it. And I'm going to become energetic and passionate and purposeful and deliberate in trying to reach the people around me. No more am I going to be fearful of what they're going to think about me. I'm going to speak up and speak out and share the gospel with those around me who don't know Jesus. Folk, not only must we do it, we can do it. Now I want you with your heads bowed and eyes closed just to stand to your feet as the musicians are playing. As you're standing with your head bowed, if you'd be willing to say, I get it, I get it, Lord, I do, I get it. And because of what I've heard tonight, what I've heard all this week, I'm going to become passionate, purposeful, deliberate, bold, unafraid, unashamed. I'm going to speak up and speak out, and I'm going to start telling people how they can know Jesus. I'm going to do it like I've never done it before. 
If you'd be willing to tell God that from your heart and mean it, I want to invite you to step out from where you're currently standing and join me down here in this altar and tell God that and mean it. God bless you guys and ladies. I'm going to start speaking up on purpose, passionately, deliberately, energetically, unashamedly. I'm not going to worry about what people think or what they might say. I'm going to speak up and tell them because I've got to. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Folks, this is not just for you. This is for me. We are giving it everything we've got from coast to coast. We have brought on three additional staff members to try to reach those powerful people on Capitol Hill. We're giving it everything we've got and then some. Preacher, why would you travel 10,000 miles in 30 days? Let me tell you why. Why would you lose your voice preaching all over the country? Let me tell you why. Because we don't have much time. And I'm all in. I'm all in. It's passionate, purposeful, deliberate, aggressive, unafraid, unashamed, man up time for God's people. We got to speak up and speak out with the gospel. Anybody else want to join us around the altar? Lord, I'm going to do it like never before. I'm going to speak up. I'm going to speak up. I'm not going to be afraid. No, I'm not going to. The same power available to the early church is available to us if we'll just access it. Father, I want to thank you. Lord, you haven't told us everything about end time events, but you've sure told us enough that we're not left in the dark. And Lord, I personally believe Mystery Babylon is America. I'm not adamant about that because Lord, I don't know how much time we've got left, but I do know this, a clock started ticking in 1948 when Israel became a nation again. Your prophetic clock. And Lord, here we are. We fit the description of Mystery Babylon to AT. Something has to happen to the United States. Maybe we are Mystery Babylon. We make it all the way through the early part, past the midpoint of that tribulation and toward the end of it. Because of our incredible wickedness, God, you have enough. And you take us down in one hour of one day. Lord, we deserve that now. But Lord, what I'm asking is this, that you'll have mercy. Grant us a little space that we might have a revival in our day. And Father, for what you do, I'm going to thank you and praise you. Bless these, my dear friends. And Father, help us to be back tomorrow night for a vitally important concluding message and exclamation point on all that's been proclaimed this week. And Father, we'll thank you and give you glory. In Jesus' name I do pray. Friends, be seated just a minute. Look up at me. Pastor.